Let me, let me begin this morning. I wish sometimes we could do this, but it's really hard to do in a room this size, obviously, to pull up a kitchen table and all gather around the kitchen table. So let me just sit here for a moment and just envision a table before us and we pull up a chair around the table. Because our, uh, our times in, in this country are tense. Very tense right now. And we've been talking about fixing our eyes upon Jesus. L- let me just ask you, if I could, a cup of coffee in front. I, I want to sit down so it's not like, oh, the preacher's preaching at me. Let me just ask you, what have you been fixated on upon lately? What, what's been consuming your mind and your energy and your time? Seems like, as I have some conversations with people sometimes at a coffee shop or get together in some of a restaurant over a meal or even in sometimes discussions that take place after a Bible study, or just watching what people are posting in the social media world. And even watching what we, the church, sometimes are doing and what we're saying. I feel more and more like we are getting our eyes further and further away from Christ. Further and further away from being fixated upon what he desires for us. If you were to just take some time right now. And do a little evaluation and think back over your last week and you think, was I fixated upon Christ or other things? What's stressing you out and overwhelming you? What what are you spending your time and your energies? Is it maybe financial stuff you're dealing with right now? And you're like, man, it just has my mind consumed right now because I'm dealing with all these finances at home and I don't know how to pay the bills. I don't know how we're going to write the next check. I don't know how we're going to make this person happy and that person happy. Are you fixated on on financial stuff. Maybe it's just a job situation going on. Is there something going on maybe at work or maybe lack of work and you're like, I need more work or I'm trying to find a job or maybe it's a stress within the job and you're like, that's what I'm talking about and that's what I'm thinking about and that's what's consuming my mind and that's what's overwhelming me and it's just taking over everything of who I am and what I'm doing because sometimes work just becomes that thing we get fixated upon. Maybe quite possibly it's a a health issue. That's probably the one we'd be dealing with most in our home right now. Many of you know my father-in-law has been in the hospital for a month plus and been in and out of the hospital and and trying to get better and get stronger. And so what do we talk a lot about? Well, how's Papa Mike doing? Is he getting stronger? Is he not getting stronger? Is he making the hospital? Is he going to get back to the rehab? Once he gets to rehab, then what's next? And how do we deal with all this kind of stuff? And he has taught me such a lesson watching someone who's just sitting in a bed and trying to get stronger when he constantly says, this is all in God's hand. And he has said it over and over and over in many different ways. And I walk in thinking, how would I possibly sit in a bed for over a month? Yeah, I get up for a quick walk down the hallway and back to the chair or back to the bed, hoping to get stronger. And he keeps saying, this is all in God's hands. What are, you, what are you fixed upon? You do an evaluation of your time this week. Was your time involved? And you know what? I'm fixed upon Christ. If someone came and could do an evaluation of your heart, if someone could do an evaluation of your mind, would you be guilty of being fixed upon things of this world or things of God? 
See, truth be told, only between you and God can you wrestle with that, right? I mean, around a dinner table or around a cup of coffee, we could discuss some things and try to have a private conversation. And maybe me as your preacher, if I were to bring some things to you, you might well, now, Brian, now you're stepping on my toes there. And you could probably turn around and say, now, Brian, let me ask you some things. And I may say, no, now you're stepping on my toes there. But if between you and God sitting down and saying, God, what am I fixated upon? What would be the result? See, that's what we've been diving into as we start off this year, 2017. We've been asking the question and laying out the goal to say, are you fixed upon Jesus? For some, I know some of you are so fixated on upon this political landscape of America. And I agree, it's, it's a mess and it's stressful. And the truth is, the only answer is for Christ to get in and fix it. And we know that but we still get fixated upon it and we still get stressed out over it and we still get overwhelmed by it, but our eyes get distracted from being fixed upon Christ. They get distracted from that. What are you, what are you fixed upon? Remember what our scripture says in Hebrews chapter 12? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders Everything that hinders and a sin that so easily entangles. What is it that's, that's strapping you down? What is holding you back? What is, what is weighing you down? If you put a backpack on and start filling it with rocks of this world, things that are overwhelming you, stressing you, what would it be? The, the, the Hebrew writer is saying, get rid of it. Throw it off. And let us run with perseverance the race Marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It says the answer to all this stuff that weighs us down and the sin that entangles is to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. The Hebrew writer is saying, what are you trusting in today? What are you trusting to carry you in this world? What are you, what are you focusing on? See, what you typically focus on is what you will kind of become. If you focus on things about money, you'll be consumed with money. You focus on things about your health and having a perfect looking body and eating right and all that, then you'll be consumed and be thinking about your body all the time. If you focus on your job, then your job will consume you. Focus on Jesus, and Jesus will start to consume you. 1 John 2 6 Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did must walk as you, must emulate, must follow his pattern. So I must ask you, if you're a Christian today, are you emulating Christ? Are you walking as, as he walked? Remember we looked at week one how Jesus was a person of prayer. And we said, you know what? If we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, we need to follow his example. And so we must be people of prayer. Week two, we looked at community and said Jesus invested in relationships and spent time in community and different levels of community from, from larger groups of people to smaller groups of people. But Jesus knew that relationships was so important, relationships that kept him going and carry 
carried him through the, through the good and the bad. And so the relationships you're invested in a community of Christ-like-minded people who are keeping their eyes fixed upon Jesus are your relationships, relationships that are helping you pursue Christ. And then last week we talked about how Jesus grew and lived by Scripture. He made this a very much a priority of his life. And I talked to you about creating a Bible plan and following a Bible plan, like maybe off of youversion.com or, or making a daily habit that you're opening up the Word of God and starting to read the Word of God and engage with the Word of God and just simply prayer, praying, God, use this Word to shape me and guide me. Because if you want to be fixed upon Jesus, then we need to know what His Father God sent to us. And Jesus was concerned about that, and that's where he got his marching orders. Got his marching orders by studying in the Scriptures and knowing the Scriptures and saying, I'm going to live out the Scriptures. Today, I want us to look at the heart of Jesus. I want to look at the heart of Jesus because the heart of Jesus points us to his purpose and to his mission, which then points us to our purpose and our mission Max Lucado begins his book, Just Like Jesus, with this powerful challenge. He said, what if for 24 hours Jesus wakes up in your bed, walks in your shoes, lives in your house, assumes your schedule, your boss becomes his boss, your mother becomes his mother, your pains become his pains, with one exception Nothing about your life changes. Your health doesn't change. Your circumstances don't change. Your schedule isn't altered. Your problems aren't solved. Only one change occurs. What if for one day and one night, Jesus lives with your life with his heart? Your heart gets the day off. Your life is led by the head or heart of Christ. His priorities govern your actions. His passions drive your decisions. His love directs your behaviors. What would you be like? Lucado asks. Max goes on to talk about the heart of Jesus that can be ours. It's a heart of forgiveness and a heart of compassion and a heart of purity and a heart of worship and a heart of hope. And it's a good exercise to stop and think, what would life be like if really Jesus' heart was taken over my heart completely? Gives us the opportunity to reflect and think about how our lives might change if we truly allow Jesus to renew our heart and mind daily, hourly, minute by minute, that he renews our heart and our mind. It, it takes a, a serious challenge to consider that and say, I really want to live that out in Christ. The Apostle Paul actually challenged the church in Philippi with that when he wrote these words in Philippians 2.5. He said, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And when you understand the word mindset, it actually means have the same heart as that of Christ Jesus. Another way to say, fix your eyes upon Jesus. Fix your eyes upon Jesus so that his heart replaces your heart. I want to talk with you today just about the heart of Jesus looking at two basic passages that many in this room are going to be familiar with. Some of you may say, well, that's kind of new to me, but I would assume most of you in this room know these passages. Some of them are passages that you kind of grew up memorizing and, and quoting, and you've seen them in Bible studies, but this is the heart of Jesus. And I think you could go to other passages, but I think these two passages point us directly to the heart of Jesus. Let's look at the first one, Matthew 22. Matthew 22 beginning with verse 34, says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, religious leaders of that day. One of them, an expert in the law, in other words, a lawyer, 
tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. I think it shows us the heart of Jesus here when he's being tested by the religious leaders of the time and the lawyers of the time and saying, Jesus, what is the most important? Now, they're going back to Old Testament law, if you're familiar with the passage. They're going back to the Old Testament laws and going, hey, these Old Testament laws, there's over 600 of them. Jesus, which is the most important? And so they're trying to trick him up for him to pick one and they go, well, no, Jesus, that's not it because what about this one or what about this one or what about this one? And they want to get into an argument with Jesus and create some friction and some challenge and some problems with that. And out of over 600 Old Testament laws, Jesus summarizes it down and says, Again, in verse 37, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. What have you been loving lately? Jesus said the most important thing we do is we look up to God and say, God, I love you with all that I am. With my whole being. God, I want to pursue you. When you say love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and strength, that means he gets your attention He gets your time. That means he gets your money. That means he gets your energy. That means he gets your focus. That means love God with all my heart, my mind, my soul, with everything that I am. God, I pursue you. Hebrew writer says, fix your eyes upon Jesus. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. Pursue Jesus. What are you walking through in this world today that you're like, I am just overwhelmed. It is just stressing me out. This has just got me down. It's got me discouraged. It's taken over my time. Jesus says, love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and all your strength. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. That's the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus is first and foremost, he points us to God. I mean, Jesus and his humanity answers that question. And he says, the most important thing you do is pursue God with everything you possibly can. Again, run a little test. What, what have you been pursuing lately? What, what have you been chasing after lately? Once been getting your time and your attention and your efforts, would you say the pursuit of my life is to love God with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, with all my strength? That doesn't mean we will be perfect. But is that really your heart? And then he goes on and says, secondly, love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and then love your neighbor as yourself. We live in a society that is becoming more and more self-indulged. Would you agree? More and more concerned about me, myself, and I. How do I take care of my stuff? How do I take care of uh, me? How do I take care of myself in business? How do I take care of myself in school? Uh, Make sure that I'm taken care of. We live in a world today that, that most of us probably don't even know our neighbors' names. Do you even know your neighbor who lives on the right or lives on the left or lives across the street? Do you know their names? Do you know, do you know who their children are? 
Do you know the people who you work with? Do you know what's going on in their lives? I watched a video not long ago, the challenge of, of cell phones and, and social media and Facebook and all that stuff. What's happening in the corporate world today is that people want to carry in their device and they'll be sitting before a business meeting to get started and they'll enter in and they'll sit down and what they'll be doing, they'll be on their device checking their email or texting somebody or being on whatever social media channel or looking at all that kind of stuff. And then whenever whoever the boss is that's running a meeting comes in, then that phone or that device is sitting there and they continue to have it sit there and they're distracted by it while they go through that meeting. The times have changed so much because years ago it used to be you come in and sit before a meeting. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. And you find out what's going on in your life and you find out about grandma or grandpa's been sick and the next time you get together at a weekly meeting you say, well, how's grandma or grandpa doing? But today we're so consumed with having a screen in front of us that we don't even know what's going on in people's lives that we interact with on a regular basis. And so in our corporate world, now they're starting to create no phone zones where they say the phones are not allowed in the room, put it away, leave it at your desk so that you can come in and actually look at someone eye to eye and have a conversation. I have an idea for a business, you all can steal it. Someone needs to create some kind of little box and go pr promote it to restaurants that says the phone drop zones and have it at every single table with some rules that when you come and sit down at a meal at a restaurant, the phone have to go inside the phone drop box and there's no touching the phone while you're having a meal. Think about it for a moment. What's our society doing? I mean, you've seen it before you go in a restaurant and I'm on my device and she's on her device. You're not even talking I witnessed that the other day in a restaurant with my boys. We were sitting there chatting. I looked over a table, and there's mom, and there's dad, and there's their two kids, and they had their devices with their headphones on, and they were about five, six, seven years old, headphones on, playing on their devices, and there was no interaction at the table. How do we express love to one another if we can't look at each other and talk? It's affecting our society greatly. I would greatly encourage you, church. You want to love some people? Get to know their name. Get to know who you're working with. Get to know their life. Get to know what's going on in their life. Yes, you may be working together, making great sales, maybe doing some awesome business, whatever it may be. But do you know what's going on in their life that you can actually reach out and pray for them? That you can actually take time to care for them in a face-to-face -face thing and not in, a not in, a, in an artificial way as, as it comes across the computer, but in a way that you just say, you know what, I really care about you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your own soul, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Do you know when a neighbor has a need? See, Jesus knew about needs. And when Jesus knew about a need, then he said, let me try to meet that need. Many times we don't even know the needs of people that are going around us that we can even reach out and try to do something. It takes getting face-to-face, skin-on-skin in a relationship, hand-to-hand, -hand, so to speak, where we sit down and we interact with relationships. But that's going by the wayside in our society today. To really care about people. That's at the heart of Jesus, to love God and to love people. It's a very simple summary. My second passage I want you to look at is Matthew 28. Again, a very familiar passage with many of us. Matthew chapter 28 is Jesus giving the marching orders. This is after his death and after his burial and resurrection. He's spending time, one last chance with his disciples and say, here's what I want you to do. And he begins in verse 16. He says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. 
And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Kind of breaks down to three sections there. Verse 18 says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm coming to you in authority that God has given to me. And I'm bringing your marching orders. I'm bringing what your mission is. I'm bringing what your purpose is. And he says, your purpose now is to go. He says, your purpose is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. There are three words that are so important, to go and to baptize and to teach. Jesus looks at him and says, I want you to go. And that word go means to go into whatever location you're heading into. It's as you go along, as you go into your workplace, as you go to your recreational activities, as you go into your neighborhoods, as you go shopping, as you go teaching, as you go to school, as you go, your purpose is to bring people to Jesus. And that's the word baptizing. To make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey. He says, your job is to make disciples. And so there are the original 11. What happened, what would have happened if the original 11 said, forget you, Jesus. I'm not doing it. I'm too busy. I don't know what to say to somebody. I don't know how I would tell them about Jesus. What happens, Jesus, if they ask me a question that I'm not able to answer? And so, Jesus, I'm not as smart as you. Well, Jesus, I'm not Jesus. And so you can do that, but I'm not taking those marching orders. Forget you. What would happen? Christianity probably would have died on the vine. You and I wouldn't be sitting here today having a chance of having hope of eternity because we wouldn't know. But because the disciples heard the marching orders that came from Jesus through God's power and authority, they said, all right, we'll embrace it. Here we go. We will go. And as we go, we will make disciples baptizing in the Father and then teaching them to obey. It wasn't, hey, just go and tell people about Jesus. Go tell people about Jesus. Help them to make a decision to follow Jesus and then teach them how to obey Teach them how to walk in me. Teach them how to have a life in me. And so don't just baptize them and say, okay, I'll see you on the way. No, walk along with them and help them to continue to grow. And because the disciples took that seriously, the gospel message has spread now for centuries and thousands of years to continents and countries across this world. Because they took that message seriously. The heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus. And it's interesting because he says, and surely I'm with you always at the very end of the age. Jesus said, basically, I'm not leaving you alone to do this all by yourself. I'm going to go with you as you go. The command literally means to make disciples who make disciples. It's a topic that the leaders here at Centerpoint have been studying, and we've been in some Bible studies, starting to bring it out, and we're continuing to bring it out. Our job, our marching orders, is to say, fixed upon Jesus, and the purpose then is to go into this world and baptize and teach and make disciples. That's the heart of Jesus. We say it around here to connect center change, connect with people who don't know Christ, center lives on Christ, so they experience life change. Is that a goal of your life? It's an everyday commission 
It's, it's our purpose. You, you say, well, wait a minute, I, I'm a doctor. Yes, you're a doctor, but the purpose behind being a doctor is to be disciples because you get a chance to interact with people as they come into your practice. Well, I'm a school teacher. No, no, no. You're a disciple first, and you're a school teacher who has that as your mission field where you get a chance to help people know Jesus and make disciples, hopefully through the classroom in some way. Well, no, I'm a government worker. I work downtown at the government office. No, that, that's your mission field. You are a disciple who gets the opportunity to be in the middle of the government and you have a chance to introduce people to Jesus and teach them what it means to live in Jesus. You say, well, I'm a, I'm a plumber. No, no, you're not a plumber. You, you do plumbing to pay your bills, but actually you get a chance to interact with everybody else who's building the building that you're working on and you get a chance to tell them about Jesus so that you can make disciples. How do we do this? We must fix our eyes on Jesus. See, if we don't fix our eyes on Jesus, we won't take our marching orders seriously. I mean, we can summarize the purpose, the mission of Jesus' life, which is our purpose to love God, love people, and make disciples who make disciples. We do that by following in Jesus' footsteps, the things we've been talking about, of prayer and community and scripture. And I just wonder, I wonder, could it be to the degree that we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, walking as he walked is a degree which will fulfill this everyday commission and everyday commandment? See, it's not something we can just muster up and say, I'm going to start doing. What we have to do is say, I want to fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to pursue Jesus and have a prayer. Jesus, then you use me. It'll be amazing how when I keep my eyes fixed on him and I say, Jesus, I want to be about your purpose. I want my heart to align with your heart. Then all of a sudden, opportunities will start to open because we're walking close pursuing Jesus. But if our eyes aren't fixed on Jesus, we'll never love God and love people and love others. Will you do that this year? Will you make it a priority, a priority in your life? You say, I want my heart to be like the heart of Jesus. I want my heart to be like the heart of Jesus. I'm going to do the best I can, the power of the Spirit within me to love God, to love people, and to make disciples who will make disciples. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Create in us, Lord, a new heart. Create in us, Lord. Shape our heart more and more to be like you. Open our eyes, Lord, more and more so that our eyes see this world the way you see it. And then as you shape our heart, Lord, and we see this world the way you see it, Lord, we'll respond so differently. Help us not to respond to this world and all the things it has to offer with our spirit, but with your spirit. Lord, help us to have a heart that wants to pursue and love God with everything that we are and everything that we have. Lord, help us to have a heart that wants to love people. Lord, help us to have a heart that wants to take your great commission to go, to teach, to baptize, to make disciples, Lord. Help us to have a heart and a desire that wants to do that. Lord, I ask you, search our hearts today. Lord, as we come to this time of communion, we ask you, search our hearts. Show us our shortcomings. Show us our heart, Lord, as it is it a heart that's hungry 
for you and the things of your kingdom? Lord, do we have a heart that is, is hardened, that's closed off to your gospel message? Do we have a heart, Lord, that is growing? Do we have a heart, Lord, that has fertile soil that says, teach me, I want to keep growing? Lord, show us our heart today. Father, we come to this time to receive communion and we receive the emblems and we, we pick up a, a piece of bread, a cracker, and we pick up this juice, which reminds us of your blood, Lord, and this cracker reminds us that you went to the cross and died for us. Reminds us, Lord, that, that you gave up your life. Lord, and then we take the cup and we drink that and it reminds us of your blood that was shed on a cross that covers our sin. Father, in your scripture, tells us to not partake lightly or in a haphazard way. And so, Lord, we don't want to do that today. We ask you, Lord, search our heart and mind as, as we embrace and receive your forgiveness and are reminded of it in this time of communion, Lord. Show us, Lord, how, how our hearts need to grow and change, how our eyes can be more fixed upon you. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.